you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And on today's show, we've got plenty of hoops to get to, including an SEC update. Let's figure out, at least so far, where Missouri stands in comparison to the rest of the league. And also, certainly the Tigers have passed the eye test for me so far. But let's take a deep dive into the numbers as well. But before we get to hoops, let's start with a little bit of football. And, you know... After that Georgia game where Missouri, frankly, was a bit outclassed after the first, well, well, really the entire game, let's be honest. Even though Missouri hung in there for a while, how about that flashback to the Colt 45 play, the pass back in 2013, the wide receiver pass by Bud Sasser for a touchdown. Well, it worked again in 2020, this time nearly getting into the end zone. Can you imagine the crowd, how nuts they would have been going for that moment if there indeed was a real 60,000-person crowd at that game? But alas, there was not. And while certainly Missouri, there was no players that didn't play in that football game, they were going to make up for a five-touchdown deficit Trey Williams was certainly missed this week. The former Rockbridge defensive lineman, to my eyes, was having a pretty darn good season. And, you know, the depth of the defensive line was certainly lacking. And, you know, the the timing there of Trey Williams opting out certainly left some questions. And that's not a criticism. Just certainly was curious about the timing. But all I want to say is if he and Adam Sparks, who also opted out, before the Arkansas game, decided not even to go through a senior day. Well, once Jarvis Ware was injured, he was needed as well. So if those guys just thought that they weren't really needed, well, that's not correct at all. But regardless, hope everything's going on. Hope everything in their lives is going well. Certainly, if there's COVID-19 concerns there, well, certainly, you know, safety first, health's the most important thing, all that good stuff. But Really, the reason I brought this up is because these two young men are far from the only people who seem to be getting worn out here, either emotionally, physically, or all of the above at the end of this brutal 10-game SEC conference schedule that Missouri is about to finish up here Saturday against the Mississippi State Bulldogs in Starkville. And while this has been a satisfying beginning to the Drinkwitz era and certainly a bowl worthy campaign, I'm really starting to wonder how many bowls are going to happen. We're seeing more and more cancellations, and most importantly, I'm just not sure how many players really are going to want to play in these football games, because let's be honest, is staying in, I don't know, a double tree or something in Tempe, Arizona, the most appealing thing in the entire world? In 2020, these guys have been isolated enough from their families and from, you know, normal college life, quite honestly. So if they want to just get beyond this season, well, that wouldn't be a huge surprise to me. And, you know, we've seen there's been some teams that have voted pretty overwhelmingly to skip bowl games in a couple cases. So frankly, if Missouri 
ends up not accepting a bowl game this season, that wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world to me. And the more I think about it, gosh, I almost think it's more likely than not. I hope they play in a bowl as a fan. Selfishly, I certainly want one more game because I've come to really enjoy this particular football team. But quite honestly, if these guys wanted to call it a season after 10 games, I can't say I'd really blame them that much with not that tremendously much to play for. It's not as though this is a playoff team or a BCS bowl team or anything like that. As much as I might like to go down to Nashville and cheer for them in the Music City Bowl if possible, well, I'm not on the team and that's probably easy for me to say. So that's a long way of saying we'll see what happens when it comes to the bowl season for the Tigers, but at this moment I'm not feeling particularly optimistic. And now we'll transition to basketball and we'll certainly have more about Mississippi State and Tiger football, much more in fact, as this week moves on. But of course, the Missouri Tiger basketball team starting to steal a little bit of focus from the Tigers, our surprisingly good Tiger football team. Well, the Tigers have now debuted in the basketball AP Top 25 at number 16 ahead of the likes of Duke, North Carolina, and the Virginia Cavaliers, which is frankly just a fun sentence to say. So anytime I get to say it, I think I'm going to pull that one out. Honestly, if you're, if you're again, if you're mostly a football f- fan, you mostly listen to this show for that, I still would strongly encourage you to hop on the bandwagon. This team looks for real. And you might be asking yourself, why is... Missouri ranked three spots behind Illinois. Don't get me wrong, we love being 16th, but didn't we just beat the Fighting Illini? Well, you'd be correct, and quite honestly, this is where the bias of preseason rankings definitely comes into play here. But also, to be fair, Illinois has about as impressive of a victory as anybody this season, taking down Duke by double digits in Cameron Indoor Stadium, so I can't blame people for giving the Illini a slight benefit of the doubt, especially if maybe they haven't seen Missouri play that much. There's a lot of college basketball, right? The good news is we're five games in, at least for the Tigers, and this stuff tends to balance out over the long haul. There's enough time, there's enough games in college basketball, well, at least in a normal non-pandemic season, there are enough games. We'll we'll see, won't we? But generally speaking, this stuff balances itself itself out in basketball. Unlike football, where especially in a pandemic season, well, preseason rankings. Look at Ohio State. My goodness, if they weren't just assumed from the eye test, and just again, all of our assumptions are that Ohio State is one of the best teams in the country, and. Frankly, I have a hard time disagreeing with that personally, but it is very, very strange that they're going to maybe have to play, what, six, seven games to get in? That's pretty ridiculous. The point is, wasn't trying to get into a huge BCS rant, just saying that if you're a Missouri fan, just be happy right now. Be happy to be 16th, because that's quite the meteoric rise from where Missouri's perception was to start the season. Remember, Tigers were picked anywhere from like 10th to 12th in the league, somewhere in there. I saw some people were the optimistic ones were as high as maybe 7th or so. So really it's time to reset our expectations. Missouri's now 5-0. and So where do they stand in relation 
to the rest of the conference. Well, I want to get into that, but first, a word from our friends at Coors Light. And be honest with yourself. I know what you do every single day. You're looking at your devices all the time. And frankly, you have more devices than you can possibly need. And while those things can be really helpful, they can make you incredibly productive in so many ways, it's also a lot of pressure, too. The pressure of always being on. What do you feel? Do you ever feel like you need a moment to chill, to hit the reset button and get ready for what's next? Well, I think the, uh, the best way to do that is obviously with the only beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Frankly, I love to crack a good post-workout beer when I've truly earned it, but that's just me. Just know that Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And of course, be sure to join me this week for my in-depth previews of the Mississippi State game, the Tigers' first ever trip as a part of the SEC to Starkville, and well, probably probably the first trip to Starkville ever, I imagine, unless they played back there in the 1920s, and I am perhaps unaware of that event, but you know what? Let's get back to basketball. We got more exciting news. Drew Smith named the SEC Player of the Week one week after Mark Smith was named the SEC Player of the Week. And you know what? I'm starting to figure out. I think Missouri got lucky a couple years ago. Remember when Jonte Porter got injured? Well, that part wasn't lucky, obviously, but a lot of people were hoping that not only Mark Smith would be granted eligibility for that year, but Drew Smith would as well. But unfortunately, Evansville, not about that life. They were not about to give him a waiver and help Missouri out or help Drew out, more importantly. But you know what? Long term, I think it worked out. It certainly worked out well for the Tigers, and I think Drew's happy to still be here in his fifth year as a college basketball player as well. So he certainly gets to be a part of the best team that he has ever been a part of as a college basketball player. So, you know what? Sometimes you just got to wait for good things to happen, and sometimes there's always positives in the negative. I also think by the end of this, Drew Smith might end up being one of the more beloved two-year Tigers of all time. You know, most of the time we think of the most beloved players, guys like John Sunvold or Marcus Denman, Melvin Booker, somebody like that. Guys who played for four years, won conference championships, all that good stuff. But you know what? There have been plenty of two-year players in Tiger history who are really memorable as well. Guys like Paul O'Linney, Julian Winfield, Jason Conley. You know, the list goes on and on. There's just, just a few guys that, that popped off the top of my head. Zaire Taylor, there's another one. But you know what, before I transition into looking at the Tigers statistically and also how they've stacked up against the SEC so far, I feel like I should take a somewhat, well, a really serious moment, honestly, to talk just briefly about Keontae Johnson of Florida. Just wish him the best. I'm sure probably most of you are aware that he collapsed during the Florida, Florida State game in a, in a really, really scary moment. Obviously, 
everybody on on both sides of of that equation, both the Gators and the Seminole players and fans were just, you know, as a really terrifying moment. I feel horrible for everybody involved and just, you know, so far it sounds like Keontae Johnson was they were hoping to get him out of a medically induced coma on Monday. We record this here on a Tuesday. Haven't heard any update really since. Sounds like he's still in critical condition, responding to some basic commands, but still in critical condition. So that that's a really scary deal. And, you know, unfortunately, this has a big effect on on Florida basketball in the SEC race because he was expected to possibly be the player of the year for the Gators. Now, I don't want to be callous here. Believe me, nothing would make me more happy than Keontae Johnson just having the quickest recovery of all time and him suddenly being playing basketball tomorrow. That Really, nothing would genuinely make me happier than that. But the reality is if, if Florida is down one of their best players, well... You know, the Mike White era has not necessarily always lived up to its expectations at times. So while Florida is certainly expected to be one of the better teams in the league, they were expected to be that last year and were were somewhat disappointing. And and you know what? So far, overall, if anything, the SEC has got to be considered a little bit down, if anything. So if you're a Missouri fan and you're looking for a rise up the standings, well, that's to our benefit. Now, the lead, at least so far in the Southeastern Conference, has got to be Kentucky, who is sitting at 1-4. and four. It's only victory over a pretty bad Moorhead State team, but also a three-point loss on a neutral site to Kansas. Nothing to worry about there, but also losses to Richmond, Georgia Tech, and Notre Dame, and only the Notre Dame game was a single-digit affair, so... That's got to be concerning if you're a Kentucky fan. Now listen, usually the Wildcats tend to start off slow, and by January, February, they've got it rolling. We're all aware of that. But this is an even slower start than normal for what is almost always a freshman-laden team. And also there's the perhaps not-so-small matter that there aren't nearly as many opportunities to right the ship in the non-conference with this truncated non-conference schedule just like the Missouri Tigers well the Kentucky Wildcats only have two more games left before the SEC slate gets underway believe it or not now according to KenPom.com which five games into the season you can certainly take with a grain of salt but for the Tennessee Volunteers you can probably really take it with a grain of salt and again according to Ken Palm Tennessee so far the best team in the Southeastern Conference 16th in the country according to their rankings, but they've only played two ball games. Remember, the Volunteers had to shut down for quite a quite a spell there because of COVID-19 precautions. Now they only have four games left before they play their SEC opener against well, your Missouri Tigers in Columbia, and that would in what promises to be a really huge game on December 30th, one that obviously. Missouri fans are really going to be looking forward to, and I'm sad that the stands won't be fully packed because under normal circumstances, they just might be. Now, as for LSU, well, they lost to SLU, so how good can they possibly be, right? (laughs) 
Oh, sorry, Billikens fans. I just kind of like poking the bear on occasion or poking the Billiken, if you will. But four, four and one are the LSU Tigers with that one loss to St. Louis. Again, Ken Palm still likes them, but it's hard to know what to make of four victories against pretty bad competition so far for the Tigers of LSU. I imagine Will Wade's Tigers will still be a really good offensive team, but still pretty porous defensively. It just seems like over the long term, you need to be better than what the Tigers have shown defensively to actually win the league. Now, Arkansas is a team to watch for sure. Their second season with Eric Musselman is off to a good start. They scored 142 points in their first outing against Mississippi Valley State. So that's pretty darn impressive. They also passed the century mark one other time against Central Arkansas. So the Hogs have really beaten up on some not-so-great competition so far. But, hey, you play who you play on their on your schedule, and so far, so good for Arkansas. I think Musselman's a really good coach, and while they've certainly – They've, they're missing at least a couple important players. So far, it hasn't seemed to matter. We'll see how it goes against the SEC. And and frankly, along with Missouri, the teams that I've mentioned so far, Tennessee, Florida, LSU, Arkansas, and Kentucky, those are really the only teams that I think have a shot to win what is, to me, a bit of a down SEC this season. So if there are no world beaters... Why wouldn't you feel fairly confident about the Tigers' chances? And speaking of those Tigers, let's dive even deeper into the numbers, specifically about those Tigers individually. But first, a word from our friends at Built Go. Because yes, while we did talk about getting into chill mode earlier, you know, sometimes you gotta get going too. I know, it's unfortunate, Well, that's why you need Build Go to break through that mental and physical wall, to get through the tasks that you really aren't dying to do, the ones that aren't that fun. But frankly, you need to get them done anyway. And at the end of the day, getting those type of tasks done is even more satisfying than stuff that is quote-unquote fun. So let's be a winner and get stuff done with Build Go. Let's break through our walls with these easy-to-consume and take with you one and a half ounce packages. Visit buildgo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at buildgo.com. Let's go. NBA fans, listen up. The Locked On NBA podcast is getting you ready for the start of the regular season with a special week of team preview podcasts all this week plus waiver wire additions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball and rookies to watch from draft guru Chad Ford. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I've talked quite a bit about pace on this show for the Tigers, but let's be clear. It's not as though this Conzo Martin team is suddenly playing like Paul Westhead's Loyola Marymount or Grinnell College or something like that, or even Roy Williams' North Carolina teams. But certainly there is an increased sense of urgency, and again, just an an ability to pass the ball up court and advance the ball up court, run selectively, 
and get into the half-court offense more quickly that has, to me, resulted in better shots. Now, it may not be very obvious, again, looking at the three-point line, you might be saying, well, gee, it's not overly obvious that Mizzou's getting better shots. Well, that's certainly fair. Missouri only 205th in the entire country in three-point shooting so far at 31%. But believe it or not, that's actually a little bit better than last season. The Tigers were sub-30% last year at 29.7. That was one of the absolute worst in the entire country. They were 326th in three-point shooting. But what's really been the big difference is at the two-point. Inside the arc, Missouri is the ninth best team in the entire country has made 61% of its two-point shots. Astonishingly, every single Missouri basketball player who has gotten minutes this year, except for Jordan Wilmore, he's the one. He's gone one of three from the field, but everyone else has made over 50%, has made 50% or better of their two point attempts. Now, if you're saying to yourself, that seems unsustainable, well, you're probably right. At that rate, it probably is unsustainable. But you know what? I actually think that Missouri's three-point shooting might be unsustainably bad as well. Because really, if you look at, if you take a deeper look at the numbers, Drew Smith hitting 35%, that seems about right. Mark Smith at a really tidy 48%. That might be a little high. Maybe you'd bet on less than that for the rest of the season. But at the same time, as well as Mark's playing, that's not an impossible number for him to reach. But then you look at Xavier Penson. Now, he's really the one who's dragged down Missouri's three-point shooting. He's 5 of 26 from beyond the arc on the year, good for 19%. Obviously, that is not great. And speaking of Pinson, he's also the number one in all of the SEC so far in usage rate, which is the amount of possessions that he finishes the ball with, essentially. You either assist or shoot the ball, get a free throw, or turn it over. If you do one of those four things, then you've used a possession. Well, he's used 33% of our possessions. That means he's basically, we're running so much of the half-court offense through him. It's really quite obvious. And that's, that's really to say that that makes it even more impressive what Drew Smith has done so far. Because we all thought that Drew Smith was going to be the lead guard last season, right? Well, the transition, a big part of it toward the end of the year was moving Drew off the ball. And so far, he's just been so adaptable as a player, just able to do whatever Missouri needs seemingly all the time. You just got to be impressed with how he's able to frankly exist with Pinson because for as talented as a player as Pinson is, for as spectacular as he can be and for as great of a first step as he has it might be the best in the entire conference well sometimes he can be a little difficult to play with too he doesn't necessarily set up people the absolute best despite breaking down a defense I mean how many times is he going to throw the ball a little bit too low to Jeremiah Tillman for instance we've got to get that ball up higher to him but again this isn't a Pinson bash fest because He's he's played rather well for the most part this season. Again, just make a few more threes or maybe just attempt a few less, take a few better shots from downtown. Just don't get sucked into the, oh, the guy went under the screen. It's I guess I just have to shoot this three, even though there's 20 seconds 
still left on the clock. If Pinson can maybe just clean that up a tiny bit, you'll see the Tigers be even more efficient on the offensive end. And also, finally, this team is clearly a really, really good free-throw shooting team, as it was last season when Missouri set the all-time NCAA record for consecutive foul shots made. Well, Missouri's still showing that they're an excellent free-throw shooting team with the notable exception, and frankly, a bit of a surprising exception, is Jeremiah Tillman, who is 7 of 19 so far in the 2020 campaign. And... You know, Tillman's never been a great free-throw shooter by any means, but he's also never been terrible either. And I've always thought his form is actually okay. My only thing with him, if I could tell him to try anything at least, not necessarily that you have to do this. If you ever want to try something in practice, maybe your stroke just doesn't feel right, get your legs into the shot. Bend your legs. If you think you're you're bending your legs too much, well, bend them even more. I promise you it'll soften that shot up just a tiny bit and get you a little bit more arc. That's my advice. But regardless, so far, so good for the Tiger basketball team, and hopefully your Missouri football team will finish up with a winning record on Saturday. So until tomorrow, I'll see you guys again right here on Locked on Mizzou.